Thanks for joining us. Now here's a sample of what you'll hear this week on Kingdom Rock Radio. This is what it means to hold someone in unforgiveness. You are saying to them, you must suffer until I am satisfied. That's what they're saying. You must suffer. I refuse to forgive you. You must suffer until I'm satisfied because your actions have made me suffer. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, we're still in the series entitled, Can We All Get Along? And today's subtitle is Crime Against the Crown. My goodness, it was a powerful time today in service, and the Word of God is really going to make you think. So grab your thinking caps and get ready. Now, don't forget, you can hear the entire series by just going to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. There you can find this series entitled, Can We All Get Along? You'll find the banner for it on the homepage and just click it and you go straight to the page. You can watch all the videos there and download the audios or listen. It's all there for you. And we appreciate you so much for being a part of the Kingdom Rock family. All right, well, without any further ado, let's get into today's message, which is thought-provoking, let me tell you. It is subtitled, Crime Against the Crown, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, as you know, we've been in a series uh, for the last four weeks, and this is actually part number five, the series that is entitled, Can We All Get Along? Can We All Get Along? And I pray that you already know that answer. Can we all get along? That answer is absolutely yes when we do it Jesus' way. Hallelujah. Well, there are two root scriptures that we've been observing in this series today. We're going to go through these scriptures. And then I will give you um, today's title. As you see on the screen, today's title is Crime Against the Crown. Crime Against the Crown. You say, what in the world is that? Well, you'll know about it just shortly. Crime against the crown. And uh, we'll go there. First scripture, we're going to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, Matthew 22. Let's look at verse 36 uh, through 40 out of the King James Version. And it says this, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The commandment is love. And Lord God, we release love in the atmosphere right now in Jesus' mighty name. The love of God that flows through Christ Jesus. Let's look at John, John 13, verses 34 and 35. And Jesus says here, a new commandment I give unto you that ye what? Love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love, if ye have love one to another. Hallelujah. The commandment is love. And the answer to the question of can we all get along is love. Hallelujah. Love, love, love. Hallelujah. All we need is love. All we need is love, love. Love is all we need. I don't know the words to this song. So I'm going to stop it right here. All right. Praise the Lord. 
We need love, the love of God that flows through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. All right. So um, I want to tell you, first of all, a word that the Lord uh, that I heard from the Lord just yesterday as I was coming back from uh, Atlanta, as I was driving down the road, getting off on the temple exit. I heard the Lord speak to me. This is so powerful. And I grabbed my cell phone. This is the power. Uh, this is one reason I have a cell phone. Praise God. Yes, to make phone calls, but I, I like to, what I'll do when I hear the Lord speaking in my spirit, I'll grab my phone and I'll hit the record button and begin just to say it because I want to capture the word of God. So this is what I heard the Lord say to me, and I'll tell you this. The Lord said to me, I'm, I'm telling you to teach on the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, because I'm raising up kings in this hour, kings that, will in, kings that I will endue with great power and authority. Kings that will operate like me and I will endue them with great power and authority. They will cause uh, they will cause chaos in some and confusion in others. But great deliverance, great deliverance, persecution. My kingdom will come and my will will be done. So shall it be. This is what I heard from the Lord on yesterday, just driving down the road, minding my own business. You know, God has a habit of speaking to you. So the Lord said he's raising up kings, raising up kings. You say chaos. How would Jesus come and how would he how would his how would his people uh, people he's raising up cause chaos? Remember, the, the disciples, you know, turn the world upside down. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And a lot of people are going to be confused when the Lord raises up uh, his people, when he induces his people with great power and authority, because they're going to be thinking, well, I thought that I was really serving the Lord. I thought that I was doing this. I thought that I was doing that. But they will, they will discover that when the genuine gets on the scene, they'll know what the false really is. You see, you can convince a man that has never had a stake that baloney is steak. You can convince him that this is what they call steak and it's a piece of bologna or it's or it's spam. You can convince him that. But when somebody comes and brings him a big juicy T-bone mm -mm, and put some little A1 on it, maybe. Mm -mm -mm -mm. And, you know, this is steak, huh? Not that this is steak. All right. So what I'm telling you is that the Lord is about to magnify the real. He's about to magnify the real in power and in, he'll, he's about to endue his church with great power and authority. And we're going to see what the real is. Hallelujah. And some will be confused. I thought it was this. I thought it was that. I thought all you had to do to be saved was just come to church and put a few dollars in an offering and go back home and live like hell the rest of the week. I thought that was it. No, that's not it. God is calling for people to be real. Hallelujah. So Revelation 19, 16 says this, and he hath on his vesture, talking about Jesus, and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of what? Lords. Jesus is the King of kings. So Jesus, being the king, is raising up kings. Revelation 5, verses uh, 9 through 10 says, 9 and 10 says this, and they sung a new song, uh, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou hast, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us uh, to God 
by the uh, by thy blood out of the out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation verse 10 and has made us unto God is anybody redeemed in here this morning did Jesus redeem your soul did he did he wash you with his precious blood he has made un, he's made us unto God what kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth remember Jesus is raising up kings so if you are a born-again believer let God raise you up glory to God this is not a foreign concept we know this from the book of Genesis uh, God gave man dominion over the earth hallelujah but this is not a foreign concept let's go to first Peter the second chapter first Peter 2 9 maybe you're not convinced yet the Lord says here, or rather, uh, Peter says here, uh, but ye are a chosen generation. What kind of priesthood? A royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should uh, show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Royal. Royalty speaks about a kingship. Now, this kingship has nothing to do with your gender whether you're male or female, this is your position in Christ. As you allow God to work through you, he's raising up uh, his people with authority in the earth, raising up people with influence and authority in the earth. Hallelujah. Raising up his people with authority and influence. He will begin to magnify his people. So if you're there in some type of board and, uh, you know, there's a problem or situation, maybe on a school board or church board or office board, whatever it is. And maybe there's a group together and uh, there's a problem. Well, God will raise you up with supernatural wisdom and you'll immediately know the answer to solve this problem. Hallelujah. He'll magnify you there. You'll have a bit more than uh, than they all than they than the other ones, just like the Lord did and how he worked with um, uh, with the Hebrew boys, Daniel there and the, and the rest of the Hebrew children. And uh, they told the king, you know, well, we don't we're not going to eat your your meat. We're not going to eat the king's meat. Let us have our own diet and then see uh, how we do after a certain period of time. Well, the time went by and they had more wisdom than any of the others. And the king raised them up to be his royal advisors. And this is what God is calling us to do, even in this hour, to be able to advise and uh, to give people a word from the Lord, to tell them what thus saith the Lord in any particular occasion. He's raising us up. Hallelujah. All right. <clears throat> I'm thankful that you guys are, are helping me today to preach. Now, Jesus, uh, again, let's go back to um, Matthew 18 chapter. And the Lord is going to instruct us again about the kingdom of heaven. Remember, the Lord said uh, in Matthew 18, uh, we won't get it on the screen, but he said there in Matthew 18 that uh, you must be converted and become like a child in order for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. We've gone through that in, in the past messages, so I'll go tell you to go back to there and uh, look at this again. Look at that again. So here in back in Matthew, um, the 18th chapter, uh, we're going to discover in just a few moments, we're going to discover how the Lord is going to tell us again about his kingdom and about how he is, about his power, his authority, about his nature and about his character. And in just a few moments, we're going to look at um, Matthew 18 and we're going to look at the parable of, uh, of one king and his servant and how the king forgave his servant now that owed him this a great debt. Now, that parable has to do, yes, it has to do with money, but it has to do with forgiveness of sins, debt, 
is, uh, is a sin. Debt is a sin. Now, I'm not talking about what's on your FICO credit score and all that. I'm not talking about your JCPenney's and all that. You say, oh, I got a house debt. I must be in sin. No, I'm not talking about that. Hallelujah. Although you, when you look at your report, you may think it's a sin. Hallelujah. But in the context, in the context, we're going to look at this in a minute of Matthew 18, the debt that the king is talking about here as the Lord is speaking is about forgiving sins, about forgiving sins. Sin is a debt in the context. Now, the Lord talks about sin being a debt here in uh, Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse number 12, uh, as written there in the Lord's prayer. He says, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. All right. In Luke and that part, that portion of the book of Luke, it talks about uh, transgressions. Forgive us of our uh, rather trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Sin is a debt. So I want to show you that before we before we uh, got into this. All right. So now let's go to Matthew, Matthew um, 18. And we're going to be reading uh, verse 21 all the way down, I think, to um, verse 35 there. So just hang with me. OK. Hallelujah. Y'all alive this morning? Woo! I thank God that you are in Jesus name. All right. Matthew 21. It says this. Then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against thee against me? And I forgive him till seven times. Jesus saith unto unto him. I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, uh, which would take account of his servants. And when he uh, had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Uh, in today's standards, if it's silver, that would be about $3.8 billion if it was in fact silver. He said, uh, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, about three thousand two hundred dollars. Uh, some translations say it could have even been as low as 20 bucks. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Should not thou uh, also have had compassion on thy uh, fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you, 
If ye from your heart forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Somebody say praise the Lord. All right. So again, the Lord Jesus brings it, brings it full circle. It's just not about money. It's about um, sins against one another, crimes committed against one another. So we're going to look today, and I want you to see this. There is a crime against the crown. There is a crime against the crown. So I pray your heart's open. You're ready to dig in. Now, again, this servant, um, uh, the Bible says that uh, he owed about 10,000 talents or about 3.8 uh, billion dollars. Now, most of us don't make more than 30. Some make uh, 30,000 a year. Some may make 70,000 a year. Some may make $120,000 a year. I don't know. If you're a millionaire, maybe you make millions of dollars a year. I don't know. But for the average person, the average servant back in Bible times, there was no way possible that he could have paid this debt. This was an unpayable debt. Now, I want you to see uh, what was done. As a result of him not being able to pay this debt, grab a hold of this. Let's look again. Let's look here and, uh, in verse number 25. He said, for as much as he had not to pay, he didn't have the money to pay the debt. The king wanted all the money right then. You understand that, right? The bill was the complete bill was due and payable at that moment. As in as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. Now, usually when we in the modern day time here, when we see the word payment, we think of paying on something. You know, oh, you know, I owe so much on this. They're going to I'll give you some. You have to just write the rest of it off. Such was not the case here. OK, the king wanted all of the money. All right. Inasmuch as he did not have to pay, the king ordered, now grab, grab a hold of this. Now, it was this man's debt. He's the head of the household. We had a wonderful time ahead of the household yesterday with Minister Nelson, Minister Blender. Just a wonderful time in Villarica. Just a wonderful time. But inasmuch as this man was the head of the household, it was his sin. It was, it was his wrongdoings that put him in this shape. But what he did now affected his wife and their children. But it's just not them that it affected because the word payment to be made, payment to be made means to pay off a debt entirely. Now, this debt could not have been paid in his lifetime, nor his wife's lifetime, neither his children's lifetime. What this means is that his whole family for generations were about to go into slavery until this debt was about to be paid, until this debt could be paid. His sin would now affect his entire line, his lineage. The sin of one man now affects his entire lineage. You say, well, Pastor, that's far-fetched. Well, is it really? Because if you look at that, look at this. The sins of the father will be visited upon the children. If the father is out of line, if the father brings home chaos and confusion, that will affect the son, that will affect the daughter. They'll grow up with that same bondage on them, and then they'll have a dysfunctional relationship with others until someone corrects it. There'll be a debt to pay, a sin to be paid throughout the generations because of what somebody did, because what daddy did, great-granddaddy did, uh, great-granddaddy beat you, and so you, you, you raised up, and you, have, uh, I mean, you grew up and you had children, and you began to beat your children, and then they grew up and they began to beat their children because of what one did here, it affected the entire generation. 
until it is corrected. Hallelujah. So this man, I want you to see this because of his misdealings with the property that belonged to the king. A servant does not have anything that belongs to himself. He was dealing with money finances that belong to the Lord. Because he had not to pay what he was about to be doing. What he did now made his entire family in jeopardy and in danger because of the actions of the head of the household. This is why, men, you need to repent. We need to stay before the Lord and repent before God because your actions as head of household means far more than you can ever think or imagine. But as well, now the man's in trouble and his family is now in trouble. Look there at verse number um, number 26. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped the king and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I, uh, and I will pay thee all. Then the king, uh, rather than the Lord of uh, that servant was moved with compassion and did what? He loosed him. With his act of prayer, he did something wrong. But then he was able to get into the presence of the Lord and the Lord released him. He released him and his family of the entire debt. They were once in danger of a perpetual bondage, perpetual servitude. Him, his wife, their children, his grandchildren, all of it in slavery until this three point something billion dollar debt was paid off. How many generations would that have taken? I don't know. But the same man was able to get into the presence of the Lord, so to speak, pray and God loosed him. So he was able to bring a divine release into his household. Let that, be, let that be the next lesson. If there, is, um, if there is confusion going on in the home, if the home is under oppression, if your home is under oppression, and listen, it's not just men because, you know, the ladies will have to be the head of the household when, when, the, when the man is not present or when the man is just not doing what he's supposed to do. Somebody's got to rise up. Hallelujah. So number one, your example can bring oppression to your home or your example can bring free, bring freedom to your home. Amen. Hallelujah. There is a place of repentance. There is a place where God will restore you. Hallelujah. So he was loosed. He was loosed. And the king forgave the debt. Now, when God forgives, the Lord Jesus is speaking of this king being, example, being an example of, of God, being an example of the character and nature of God. So when the debt was forgiven, the debt was completely forgiven. Again, this debt talks about more than money. It talks about sins. When God forgives you of your sins, your sins are forgiven. Remember, and I uh, think 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, that love keeps no records of wrongs. That is the sin is completely wiped out. It is completely gone. It is burned up completely. No more record of it. It is as if it never existed completely. Let's get that settled. When the king forgave him, he completely forgave him of all the debt. He forgave him completely and thoroughly. No more records have been kept of this. Now, this is what we expect to being born again believers. You expect the Lord to forgive you of your sins completely and thoroughly so that nothing can be brought back up again. Hallelujah. This is not a half-hearted thing. So listen, but what happens here? Verse 28. But the same servant went out and did what? Found. The same servant went out and did what? Found. Which means he left the king's presence 
working. Grab a hold of this. He went out and he found one of his fellow servants, which owed him maybe 300, maybe uh, $3,200 or 20 bucks. And with veracity, he picked him up by the throat and threatened him. Pay me what you owe me. So he said he went out and found him, which means he was out seeking. He left the presence of the Lord. He left the presence of the king on a mission to find somebody, to find somebody that owed him, to find some sort of money. And we're going to see this why in a minute. Why you would think, why would this man go from the king's presence? He went out fine. He went out looking for somebody that owed him money. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Well, he found that particular man, and, and we see in verse 29, he said, pay me that you owe me. And the servant had the same words, the same speech that he had before the king. This, 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 his fellow servant said, have patience with me until I pay thee all. I will pay you all. I can do it, man. I can pay you all. $3,200, 20 bucks, or 20 bucks. I can pay you all. Just have patience. I'm going to get it to you. Anybody ever said that before to a collector? Have patience with me. I will pay thee all. We can get this debt taken care of. Stop calling me on the job. Stop calling me on my cell phone. Stop calling me on my house phone. Stop sending me emails. Have patience with me. I will pay thee all. This can be done. Hallelujah. But, of course, you see in verse number 30, and he would not. He would not have, he would not have had compassion on him. But he went out and he did what to him? He cast him into prison till he should pay the debt into some sort of debtor's prison. That is, he placed the man in a confined space where he would work and labor away from his family, away from any businesses. This is a debtor's prison where he would, I don't know, break rocks or do whatever. Today they may make license plates or something and the money that would be earned there is entirely given over to the one that is owed. Make sense? So he says, put him over there. I want every bit of income that he can make. I want my debt paid. Remember, this debt is talking about sins. This is talking about sins. So he was forgiven by the king, but then he goes out and finds someone that owes him, and he is not willing to release the other man, his fellow servant, of the sins that were done to him. And he says simply, I will hold you, I will hold you until this debt is satisfied or until I am satisfied. Because that's what it's talking about. I will hold you in that prison until I am satisfied that the debt has been paid. I will hold you there until I am satisfied that the debt is paid. In other words, you will suffer. I will make you suffer until I am satisfied. Okay? This is what it means to hold someone in unforgiveness. You are saying to them, you must suffer until I am satisfied. That's what they're saying. You must suffer. I refuse to forgive you. You must suffer until I'm satisfied because you, because your actions have made me suffer. Are you hearing? So his fellow servants saw that. Now we're about to close shortly. His fellow servants saw that. And the Bible says that they were very Sorry. They were very sorry. Now, the word very sorry there or the or the term sorry means to make sorrowful. It means to affect with sadness, uh, cause grief or um, or throw into sorrow. It means to grieve, offend, to make one uneasy. 
So the servants saw what was done. Maybe they were peeking around the corner and they saw the whole thing. They saw this first servant go out from the king's presence, possibly. And they found maybe they saw it happen on the street corner. They saw this man. Now, remember, this is a big thing. So I'm sure it's published around all the kingdom, how the king was so benevolent that he forgave a debt that could not be paid. The king was in the right of putting this man's whole entire family and generations. He was in legal right of putting his whole family and generations in bondage until this huge debt could be paid. So this is published. Oh, how the king was wonderful, how he's so loving, he's so kind, he's compassionate. And so they knew of this man and they knew of the actions of the king. And they saw this man there uh, picking this fellow servant up and they heard what was done for $3,200, for $1,300 or 20 bucks. You did this and they were grieved. Why? Because this was not the character of the king. This was not the culture of the kingdom. The king did this as an example that all of his servants should follow. Jesus gave us as an example that all of us should follow. He gave us an example. And so because of this, the servants saw that. They were grieved at this. And it should grieve the heart of God of anyone that has received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. It should grieve you when someone that says they are a servant of God, someone says that, that says that they belong to God, and they move with uh, they move and have actions that are not compassionate toward others. It should grieve you because that is not the heart and character and nature of the king. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I know it's hot in here for y'all because it's burning up for me in here. Hallelujah. So uh, we thank God for spiritual windows being opening now. Praise God. All right. So what's happening here, they find themselves, uh, they reported to the king what was done. And we're closing. Believe me, we are closing. They find themselves in a peculiar situation that they got to go now and tattletale before the king because this is such a a horrible offense, such a horrible offense. And so they go forth and they tell the king what was done. And the king reacts swiftly. The king reacts very swiftly. What does he do? He calls him into his presence. And this is what the king says unto him in verse number 32. The king says, then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou what? wicked servant. He said, you are a wicked servant. Now the word wicked does mean bad, but the word wicked uh, in the Greek, it also means to be full of labors. It means full of labors. Hear this. He says, you are full of labors. It means annoyances. It means hardships. Wicked meaning full of labors, annoyances and hardships. It also means pressed and uh, press and um, rather pressed by labors. It means bringing toil, annoyances and peril. So as we said before, this man goes out from the presence of the king looking for someone. He has been released from a debt, but he goes from the presence of the king laboring. He goes out from the presence of the king trying to find someone with money. Why is that? Because he does not fully believe that the king has released him from the debt. Why else would you leave the king's presence? 
looking for someone that owed you money. If you weren't still under the pressure of thinking, I have to pay this debt. This man is going to jack me up in my family too. He's going to put us all in prison. He's going to put us all in slavery. So I've got to do something. So his actions were telling the entire kingdom, the king cannot be trusted. The king is a liar. The king has terrible character. Don't trust the king. That's what he was telling them when he found his fellow servant and grabbed him by the throat. He was saying the king cannot be trusted. You see me? He said he forgave me of all my sin. He said he forgave me of all my debt, but no, I don't believe him, so I'm going to have to go out and make something happen right now. So his actions were saying, the king is untrustworthy. The king is a liar. Don't trust the king. So the king moves swiftly. And his action, what you'll find here, is that this was a crime against the crown. He sinned against the crown with his actions. He was publishing, uh, 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 he was prophesying or, and he was uh, publishing that the king could not be trusted. And this was going throughout the entire kingdom, this man's actions. The king has to call him back in. And he says, you are a wicked man. In other words, you are full of labors. You are working unnecessarily. What are you doing? You're working trying to pay off a debt that I have removed. You're laboring trying to pay something off that, off that I have already dealt with. What are you doing? He calls him wicked. You are full of laborers, full of unnecessary work. I have forgiven you and that should be the end of it. You should go from my presence rejoicing and leaping and dancing knowing that you have been forgiven. He says here, he says, you wicked servant, I forgave thee of all the debt. Again, Jesus goes back and he affirms once again that the debt has been completely forgiven. Twice he has said he's forgiven him of the debt. The debt has been completely removed. No more record of it. He said, I've done this for you. Either the king is lying or he's not. The king is not lying. He said, he's, he's, he said I've forgiven thee of all that debt. He said, I forgave thee of all that debt because you desired me. Verse 33, he said, shouldest not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had compassion on thee? In other words, you should have done what I did. You should have been in my character. You should have been in my nature. You should have acted like me. You should have forgiven others as I have forgiven you. This is the character and nature of the king. This is the character and nature, the culture of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We forgive. Hallelujah. We forgive. It's the character and nature of the king. He said, you should have act like me. You should have done what I did. But because he did not, he says, verse number 34, and his Lord was wroth. He was angry. And what happened? And delivered him to the tormentors. Till he should pay all that was due unto him. Wait a minute, Pastor. I thought you said God forgave. What do you mean? That I thought the king forgave. He did. This is now an offense to the crown. Something now separate from the original debt. If we were in a, if we were in a courtroom, uh, the people would, would say you were held in contempt of court. There's a now, there's a now another fine that you're going to have to pay because you've now slandered the name of the king. You've slandered the kingdom by your actions. 
So now you must pay this new debt. And this new debt can be paid off and paid in full. The other debt could not be. He says again, uh, he said, and his king was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors until how long? Till he should pay all. He should pay all. So this man can pay it all. This new debt, but the old debt he could not have. The old debt it would have taken him, his wife, his children, his grandchildren, all that he had to satisfy this debt for generations. But this one he can pay. He may have to pay this for the rest of his life, but he will pay it. Because he has slandered the crime. He slandered the crown, rather. This is a crime against the crown. Are you hearing? The Bible says he was delivered to the tormentors. This was not seen before, not in this context. First, the first debt must have been satisfied by slavery. Selling all that you have and all that and payment to be made, but it was forgiven. This man goes out and finds a friend, finds a fellow servant that owed him, that owed him money. And he commands him to be thrown into prison, a debtor's prison, till he should pay it all. This man was not thrown into prison. The Lord said, I'm not throwing, the king said, I'm not going to throw you into prison. I'm going to allow the tormentor to visit you until you pay everything. What does that mean? The tormentors, those that would afflict, those that would um, really get under your nerves, those that would visit you day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. It was their job to visit you with pain until this situation was cleared up. This is the reason why a lot of people, especially those that are born again believers, when they have received the, the, the forgiveness of God uh, and uh, the Lord has truly forgiven them all of all their sins, but yet they still hold others against them. They hold other people's sins against them. They get visited by the tormentors. This man was still a servant. He was still in connection with the king. This king still knew his name, but because he refused to forgive, he opened the door to the tormentors. He opened the door to pain and tragedy happening in his life because he simply refused to forgive. Tormentors were open. In other words, the doors were open to uh, tormentors. Uh, the enemy was allowed to come in and buffet him and buffet him and buffet him and buffet him until this entire debt was released. Now, this could have happened in one day or 15 seconds. All the man had to do is say, I forgive the other man of his sins. And then the tormentors would have to lose him, would have to leave him because there was no more debt to be paid. Amen. It's not about the money, but it's about or it's not really about uh, what they've done to you, but it's about how we respond to it. Amen. Because when we respond to it incorrectly, it simply causes torment to come in upon us and torment will remain until the debt is fully paid. Because we've offended the crown. Amen. We've sinned against the crown. And we wonder why all this stuff happens to us. We wonder about all the chaos. We wonder why we can't sleep at night. We, we wonder why we, we don't have any peace. Because of the tormentors that are present. We wonder why we're always worried and we say, something always, something bad always happened to me. We, we wonder why we fear good things happening. Some people are afraid that good things will happen because they, they wonder, oh, when the next shoe, I wonder when the next shoe is going to drop. Something bad is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. They can't even enjoy the good thing because of the tormentors that are present. You can't even enjoy the good things when something good happens 
because of the tormentors that are present. But when you release them, say, Father, I, I release my fellow servant. I, I, I release those that have hurt me and offend me. They owe me nothing in the name of Jesus. They owe me nothing. And because of that, the devil will have to leave. The tormentors will have to leave your life because they will then have no charge from the court against you. The records will be expunged. They'll be washed away, made clean. So this man has a choice. He can either stay Stay. Now, this again is not a prison. This is a state of life. He's not behind bars. He's at home. He's at work. And this thing is constantly nagging at him. A constant feeling of something is wrong. Something is bad. Something is on me. Something is around me. What is this? I can't find any peace. I can't find any sleep. It's a tormentor. That has been released, that has been allowed to come because we're keeping something illegally. Does that make sense? This man could stay in this condition for two seconds or two years or 20 years. It's entirely up to him and it's entirely up to you. And Jesus says, he wraps it up in verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts not from your heads. If ye from your hearts, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone, his brother, their trespasses. It's going to take from your heart. You say, Lord, it's, it's hard. I can't do it. If you give God your willingness, tell him you're willing to do it. He'll give you the strength to do it. If you tell him that you're willing, he'll give you the strength to do it. Say, God, I want to. I want to, I want to, I want to. Help me, help me, help me. If you say, Lord, I don't know if I want to do it. Help me to want to do it. Let's start there. Help me to want to do it. The Lord will meet you wherever you are. He'll meet you wherever you are. But you got to start. You got to invite him in. If you're a born again believer, and this is required, it's required that you act like the king in the character and nature of the king. In doing so, you will flow in the power and the authority of his kingdom and lives will be changed. People will be healed, set free and delivered because this is more than just about you. Amen. You hold someone else's answer. Let God use you in Jesus name. Father, we thank you for the words that you've given us today. And Lord, we, we do openly confess, Lord God, that we have we have sinned against you, first of all. We pray that you are blessed today by the ministry. Remember, if you would like to hear this message in its entirety and even hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's www.kingdomrock.org. We will be so glad to connect with you. While you're there on the website, make sure to consider a financial donation in support of the ministry. And don't forget, if you're in the area, stop on by and visit with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Stop on by. And don't forget, while you're on the website, sign up for Kingdom Inspirations. We believe it's going to be a blessing to you. All right, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.